De'Aaron then blows by DFS, then hits a mini floater. And by the way, I'm so glad that happened because Dorian Finney-Smith was talking shit early in the game. He was yelling out, like, give me that shit when he blocked Domas' shot. Uh, Keegan's defense continues to improve, and if he consistently stay this way offensively, I believe that he's going to be one of the best players. He already is one of the best players on this team, but he can be one of the best two-way players in the league if he can continue to play this way. Malik Mons, man. Just the fact that he can continue to come off the bench and produce at that high of a level... I mean, obviously, when he scores, it's great, but just the playmaking ability, he had nine assists tonight. Welcome to the Sports Ethos Kings cast. It's daily. Joined by my co-pilot, Liz. What's happening? What's going on? Let's begin. First quarter, Kings start off the game locked in on defense. Clamp Keegan has multiple stops on Spencer Dinwiddie. Dinwiddie missed a jumper. Keegan stopped a drive, and Dinwiddie had a pass. Dinwiddie drove, and Keegs stayed vertical for a missed shot. Uncle Keegs hits a turnaround fadeaway on defensive stopper Mikhail Bridges. Monk ends the quarter with a midi pull-up over Nick Claxton. Kings up eight to end the quarter. Second quarter, Monk hits two threes. Lyles makes three threes. Uncle Keegs hits a floater. Barnes get a, gets a beautiful block on Dayron Sharp. Domas hits a Chris Weber elbow jumper off a beautiful blob play. Domas hits a three. Nets cut the lead to six to end the half. We have Jordan here. Who's going to fill in for Liz. Jordan, any takeaways from the first half? I like how we came out and shot the ball pretty well in the first half. Um, Second quarter was a little bit shaky, but... We were able to recover coming out. Um, I thought the Kings' defense was really solid overall, especially in the first quarter. Um, Having Keegan on the floor really helping shut down uh, Mikel Bridges was very, very helpful. And once he started hitting his shots, it really all started coming together because I feel like after that, everybody started hitting their shots. So props to them for uh, for the defensive versatility. And I feel like this is a game that they were that they needed. Yeah. This is one of those games where you could imagine the Kings making a deeper run in the playoffs. If this is peak Kings, if this is what it looks like and granted they had their issues uh, defensively as far as just letting the nets back in the game every now and then. But uh, yeah, this is peak Kings basketball. Uh, Do I think they could shoot like this every game? No, not at all. But you see where this team could be headed. It was fantastic. Um, All right, third quarter, Fox and Keegan hit back-to-back threes. HB makes a three. Monk gets a fast-break dunk from Keon Ellis. Keegan and Keon make threes. Monk and De'Aaron connect on a pretty layup off a backdoor cut. Dirty De'Aaron hits his patented turnaround midi. Fourth quarter, Lyle stops a three-man break all of by himself. Sasha gets a block that's converted into a Malik Monk three. Sasha gets a tip-in off of Fox miss. Monk and Lyles connect on an alley-oop that rocks golden one. Nets cut the lead to six with seven minutes to go. Lyles hits a corner three. De'Aaron closes out and blocks a Cam Thomas three. De'Aaron then blows by DFS, then hits a midi floater. And by the way, I'm so glad that happened because Dorian Finney-Smith was talking shit early in the game. He was yelling out, like, give me that shit when he blocked Domas' shot. It's like, what goes around comes around, buddy. Everyone's favorite, Harrison Barnes hits a three. 
Keegan and Lyle said back-to-back threes. Kings win the ball game. Light the beam. Jordan, takeaways. Once again, um, lots of de- lots of uh, great, great defense. I love what I saw from the defensive end from the Kings today. Um, I feel like they also benefited from Barnes playing limited minutes and having Lyles take up a little bit more of the load, especially on the defensive end. Lyles was always getting to his spots, making sure that he was hitting those timely threes. Uh, Keegan's defense continues to improve, and if he can consistently stay this way offensively, I believe that he's going to be one of the best players. He already is one of the best players on this team, but he can be one of the best two-way players in the league if he can continue to play this way. Uh, Malik Monk just continues to amaze me with the things he can do. He had that 360 layup that he smoked, but I didn't care. The man rotated clockwise from the hash marks, almost from the free throw line. That is insane athleticism. I'm so glad that we stole him away from the Lakers because I, I, somebody said this on Twitter. It was if we if the Lakers if he was doing this from the Lakers, we would never be hearing the end of this. But I'm so glad that we have Malik Monk, and then Fox is just doing Fox things. I feel like there was just a lot of moments in this game like, oh, that was an amazing moment. Oh, that was an amazing moment. That's pretty good basketball. That's pretty good basketball. I just felt like every moment kept building upon the other. It was just an overall great game. And I'm very jealous because my parents got to go to this game tonight, and I didn't. I had to sit and watch the game from home. Oh, my goodness. How dare they? Well, apparently, uh, one of my sisters sat second row. So, yeah, I'm a little salty. Uh, oh, you guys should get new family members after that. <laughs> they, they exactly. Were, my, my parents were fourth row. They were across, sitting across from the Nets bench. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, I'm a little jealous. Um, Liz, any takeaways? First, I want to start out and say uh, shout out. I love that they added Chelsea Gray to our uh, broadcasting team. Um, she's a baller. Uh, I love that. You know, I continue to love watching these women. Um, do these roles and do things because, you know, there's a lot of always, you know, women can't do things and do certain things. So I love that we're adding um, that type of person to our broadcasting team. So shout out to her. That's going to be awesome. I'm really looking forward to, you know, hearing her break down the games and things like that. Um, but the takeaway that I have from the game, because I was able to catch the last six minutes of the game, uh, I love watching De'Aaron Fox do his thing. I mean, that blow by that he got between the double team, um, yeah, when you talk shit against De'Aaron Fox, he's going to make you pay for it, like point blank period. Like, he will bust your ass at the end of the day, and he'll do his thing. Um, Sabonis did what he did tonight. He got a 15-point game, 16-rebound game. That's amazing. Uh, but, like, Malik Monk, man. Just the fact that he can continue to come off the bench and produce at that high of a level. I mean, obviously, when he scores, it's great. But just the playmaking ability, he had nine assists tonight. Uh, which is freaking awesome. I think De'Aaron also had eight assists tonight, which when you're two, you know, backcourt people can combine for 17 assists just themselves. Um, you, you're going to do pretty good in the league with just that. So uh, shout out to the Beam team. They got the job done. Keegan Murray looked like he found his shot tonight, which was nice. Trey Lyles coming off the bench producing. Uh, Harrison Barnes contributing. He had 14 points tonight, so shout out to him as well because uh, he's continued to, you know, kind of receive some you know, criticism with his game. So he's been producing the past couple of games. So I'm happy to see that for him. Uh, but yeah, I mean, they got a, you know, quick turnaround. They got to rest up and go down to LA tomorrow for another back to back. But uh, yeah, I'm happy that they got this win. Might be. I love the fact that we have Keegan Murray 
who is now arguably one of our better defenders, and the fact that he takes the other team's best player, that's phenomenal. I think also, um, I think it was fitting for Keegan to hit the franchise uh, record-breaking three. I oh, believe for it was sure. Tonight. It, was, it was so fitting. If there was anybody who I wanted to take that shot and break that record, it's Keegan. That's two years in a row now that he's broken a record. First, it's the rookie three-point record last year. Now it's the franchise record for threes in a game this year. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. Keegan Murray is going to be one of the greatest kings ever. I hope so, and it's looking that way. And then uh, I meant to say Spencer Dinwiddie, who was a bucket. And uh, to stifle him to only getting uh, 6 out of 15 from the field is amazing. Then also... You might look, you know, again, there's always going to be people who just look at the box scores. Kevin Herter only scores six points, but he actually did a kind of an admiral job on Cam Thomas, uh, who was 35% from the field. So I'm not saying he clamped him all the way through, throughout the game, uh, but he did a decent job. So uh, props to him. Please don't get your trade machines out and, and shit on Kevin Herter because he had, you know, two rough games in a row. Um and I'm sure people are going to pick on Jabal McGee. Uh, his game was rough tonight, but it is what it is. Real quick, too, yeah, just to kind of go off that point daily. You know, the thing people need to realize about the NBA is these guys are professionals. All of them continue to work on their game. They practice every day. They watch film. So you can never really fully stop an NBA player. You can play great defense on them, but it's like, they're going to they're gonna eventually hit a couple buckets. They're going to get theirs, especially the, the stars in the league. You can't fully stop those guys. So as long as you can kind of rattle them to a point where they're having like a little bit of an off night, that's okay. That's great defense because there's guys out there in this league that you will never be able to clamp down. It just it's, It is what it is. Like they will find a way to get their buckets. They may not go off for 50, but they're still going to get like a 20-point game. And – yeah, that would be considered like an off night for them kind of situation. So as long as guys are kind of, you know, sometimes guys are going to have bad nights. As long as the rest of the team's kind of picking up the slack, the bench is coming off. That's what teams are all about. You can't expect, you know, night in and night out. Obviously, we kind of expect like our stars, De'Aaron and Sabonis, to have good games because that's what they're supposed to do. But guys like, you know, Kevin Herter, he's going to struggle with the shot. But as long as he's in the game and he's contributing to – the defense or he's getting rebounds or he's passing the ball then that's okay too he doesn't have to go off for 40 every time or whatever the case is so and that's why i think people tend to like just cr- like critique the points and that's all they look at especially the box scores is when you look at a box score it doesn't tell you a full picture of what happened in the game like you actually have to sit down and watch a game you can't just say oh that person only had six points oh he must have had a crap game that doesn't mean that at all because he could he still could have contributed in other ways. So like Mike Brown says, you know, he continues to preach. If you're not making shots, what else are you doing on the court? And then if you're not doing those other things, then you're probably going to get pulled and you're going to be sitting on the bench. And then they're going to have next man up mentality. And then someone come off the bench is going to do their job. So that's what teams are all about. You know, you pick up your teammates when they're a little down. And that's what we continue to see with this team, um, which is great. Well, and to piggyback off of that, Liz, I believe that, the Kings the Kings scored 131 points tonight. If you expect Kevin Herter to drop uh, six, seven threes every single night, you don't watch basketball. You don't know basketball. These guys are always going to have off nights. And I've been preaching this, the same thing all season, that 
Harrison Barnes was struggling this season, and he finally contributed in, I guess, a way that I consider to be pretty great, considering that, yes, you take a little, a few more shots, you get 14 points, contribute to the threes, and being in your spots when you needed to be, even with the limited minutes with Trey Lyles getting those minutes, these guys are going to have off nights, but once they start hitting their shots, you're not going to be saying that anymore. So I believe that people need to really chill on these uh, trade machines and wanting to trade guys like Herter and Barnes because they have a couple of bad games. When the next game, they just start hitting all kinds of threes and making all kinds of shots, contributing in other ways, rebounding, defending, passing the ball, whatever they can think of. Well, I think, too, with Kevin Herter, because obviously there was the big discussion at the beginning of the season, you know, when he was struggling in preseason, obviously coming off a struggling playoff series as well. You know, people were saying, should he be benched? That was a whole conversation. And then we were talking about how many games do we give him to kind of, you know, work through it and things like that. And obviously he came out of that slump. But the thing with Kevin Herter that I liked is even when he was still going through that slump, he wasn't forcing shots. He was shooting within the rhythm of the offense. He was shooting coming off the DHOs. He was shooting wide open shots. I mean, he wasn't forcing anything. Um, and then I finally started noticing he was kind of going into the basket driving kind of working his game out, which is usually better to do if you're missing outside. You work your way out or work your way in and then you start working your way back out. So that's what I love about Kevin Herter's game is I noticed when he is struggling, he's not out there just trying to throw up bricks. Kind of like, you know, I hate to bring this up, but Buddy Heald. That's how I feel like Buddy Heald always did is he just constantly threw up stupid shots, dribble the ball off his foot, do stupid things. With Kevin Herter, he still can contribute in a way. And even if he's not hitting shots, he's still shooting good shots they're just unfortunately not falling and in this league that happens shooter shoot they're going to go through those slumps and like i said his teammates are around to come off the bench or whatever it is and pick him back up so i'm sure he'll be back to his normal self again in a couple games and just remember when you're nitpicking this team to death especially after wins which i think is weird behavior one of the biggest barns trading flurries happens after a win it's bizarre there, were, there was a time when Buddy Heald was our only offensive weapon off the bench. Look at who we are now. Look at what this team has now. There was a time where Buddy Heald was our only 20-plus point-per-game scorer. Seriously. There yeah, was a time where that, like, yeah, it, it, that, that was our offensive play, was, was flipping the screen on Buddy so we could get an open shot. Crazy. I think, I think too, like thinking about that, you know, I mean, obviously the big picture of that trade was the Tyrese Halliburton and the Sabonis, you know, thing. But Monty also got rid of, like, if people realize, Vladi Divox, I'm sorry, I will love Vladi Divox, the player, and what he, you know, tried to do for the team. I will never shit on him. But he, like, let's be real, he gave him a horrible fucking contract. Like, that contract is awful. So the fact that Monty could kind of offload that contract in that trade as well, I mean, that's like a positive because look at what he's been able to turn into that. You know what I mean? Like now we have way more shooters coming off the bench. You know, we have way more shooters in the starting lineup. Um, So it's just crazy that to think a guy, because probably now, I mean, Buddy Heald would probably be pretty hard to trade. If he was to have that contract now, then it would be pretty hard for him. So yeah. And and to, and to before we open up the mics, I, I, I do want to say about that. At the time, there was an argument where Kings fans were making like, yeah, pay the man, because he was coming off of that 20-plus point-per-game season. 
it was literally just him and Fox coming off of that season that were like, okay, these, this is going to be our backcourt at the time. And I agree, 100% agree. In the long run, you look at it, it's a terrible, terrible contract. And Buddy practically held the front office at gunpoint, saying, basically, I'm going to either walk for nothing, request a trade, or you guys can pay me the, uh, the most money that you absolutely can. At the time, yeah, I would have paid the man too. But looking at the big picture now, I'm glad we got rid of that contract because man's fighting for, uh, much like Marvin Bagley, fighting for position in the second string. So I believe that, you know, we like, like Liz said, more shooters coming off the bench. Look at what we've turned all these trades into. And this is a really good team. Now, actually, Buddy is, is one of the Pacers' constants <laughs> when everyone else is missing. Like Halliburton and he just have that chemistry. Um, but, yeah, I, I totally know what you mean. Yeah, and just some notes. Nets are eighth in offense, 17th in defense, 10th in net rating. They only allow 13 threes their opponents. Kings got 25. Uh, as far as points are concerned for their opponents, 113. Kings busted that out by 18 and got 131. So this is an excellent win. Um, super proud of the guys. Granted, uh, you know, I've always said, I'm going to save for this game because I always say, when the hell are our shooters going to shoot well all together in the same game? And we got that tonight. But then again, it's not likely that we get games where everybody is shoots shoots well. So we'll see what happens tomorrow on that back-to-back on the road against the Clippers. And let me just say, and feel free to hate on me and cancel me, whatever you want to do. Um, and I know this may be blasphemous to, to some of you because that Laker hate is real. I get it. But can you imagine the discourse if the Pacers won the in-season tournament? You already know. So in some weird way, thanks to LeBron and AD going off and being locked in, we don't have to hear that bullshit that you knew was going to come if the Pacers and Tyrese Halliburton won the in-season tournament. So you pick your poison. Either you hear Lakers just being happy and, and seeing gifts of LeBron popping champagne, or you get a million and one who won the trade tweets and everything else. Think about it. So I mean, say what you want to say about the Lakers and, oh, you know what, fuck it. You know, I recognize greatness. It is what it is. Uh, let them feel like they won, like LeBron won a fifth championship because we all know what it is. It's fucking ridiculous. It's stupid. But I mean, think about I, I would it. take that. I'll take that. Seriously. That's how I'm saying. But I know someone's going to disagree. Uh, feel free to speak on it. Serial, Manny. Oh, and by the way, Manny, you're going to help me out on this. Fox is looking like MJ in where he's talking shit in destroying teams, especially in the fourth quarter. I love that. Talk uh, about he's, he's on another level right now. He's coming to that plateau. Like, And the crazy thing is, he hasn't even. I won't. This is no. Nah, he has scratched the surface, but he he hasn't even what I think reached his full potential. Like his his three point shot is good, right? It's not great, but it's good. I can see that shot get even better. The mid range, that it's great. I think it can be better than that. The drives to the basket, that's just that's there, man. Like he's that's not going anywhere. I mean, he and his assists, like his vision, has gotten better and better. Which I think is very underrated with him. He his, some of his passes are so spectacular, like that cross that cross court 
which every coach will tell you, do not make that pass. Do not cross cross court that pass. Bullseye right to to Barnes for that three pointer. Like it's so beautiful watching this dude grow, and it's the biggest thing. That I, I I don't want to speak on it really that that long, but the whole Hallie and De'Aaron Fox thing. Like neither one of them would have blossomed into what they were what they were going to be together. Like it just wasn't going to work that way. At least I don't believe so. I get that some people think that Mike Brown maybe would have been able to do something, but I just think they might have gotten better, but they wouldn't have got as good as quick together. They needed to be separated and they both, it's a win-win. They both have started to reach their potentials and I'm happy for both of them. Uh, But real quick, like I don't really have that much to say other than that, but I love you guys more than anything, just strictly for like the Harry Giles stuff. Like that to me is the epitome of Sacramento and its relationships with players. And I truly believe, especially in this Twitter world, in this Instagram world, the social media world, that there's players out there, right, that see that. And that is absolutely what draws a team and starts making a team think, yo, man, like, I want to play there. I want to see that. I don't like the beam getting lit on me, but I sure as hell want to have the beam light for me. And if they're – look at – and it's not even just how you guys uh, love him. It's that, that – like that video he was just posted not that long ago of him making himself – or going around the whole, the whole arena and giving love to all the fans. Like that. That's connection, man. Like that's a real connection that I think – and this, I'm telling you as a Bulls fan, like nobody wanted to touch the Bulls after those championships. Like six championships didn't do nothing for that team because of the way that management was. And no, nobody still wanted to play after that. And it wasn't just because, oh, they're replacing Jordan. It was because of the way management treated Jordan and treated the guys. And literally after seven, six, they were like, oh, you guys can hit the road now. And it's like, that's not what happens here. Like win or lose, you guys absolutely have the passion and love for these players and it shows to them and then and it just it's it spreads and i think videos like that that goes such a long way when you guys are trying to when we're trying to get free agents to come here and have guys really be interested in the team oh man well said and uh, sacramento fans we tend to fall in love with even all the way down the bench to the 12th player like we got full still Missing Iman Shumpert. You know what I mean? I still miss my guy, Francisco Garcia. Like, we fall in love with everybody. It is what it is. That's how passionate and crazy we are. So, my goodness. Just another, just to kind of um, add to that as well, Daily, I can think of two other ones that my family loves. Number one, they've fallen in love with Jordan Ford. But, but again, when has anybody not fallen in love with Jordan Ford? After all, he's a Sacktown guy. He's a Folsom boy. So, yes. And um, you guys might not remember this one. Uh, Jack Cooley. My family loved Jack Cooley. Pure hustle. Exactly. Exactly. Absolutely loved Jack Cooley. He was great. Um, I just love the fact that Sacramento still loves Harry Giles. I still to this day believe we should have kept him, but it is what it is. Um. And also, one more shout-out to Bogdan Bogdanovich, Bogey, for dropping a 40-piece tonight against the Detroit Pistons on 10 three-pointers. 
we all love and miss Bogey over here. But so glad to see him succeeding with the Hawks. And that is just an amazing uh, stat line from him. We all knew Bogey was, was capable of that. Leader of the Horde, doing leader of the Horde things. My goodness, that's beautiful. Absolutely. So and, I'm, I'm very happy with this tonight. We'll pretend it's really, it's all, go ahead. Sorry, I was just going to say it's a really good night. Go ahead, Daly. No, I was going to say we'll pretend it's not against the Pistons and, and maybe he did it against like the Celtics or something. But yeah, no. Poor, poor Pistons. Like they're tanking hard and they have like all these talented players on their team. So it's like, what is going on? That's a whole nother topic. Crazy. So did you guys read the article? from Keith Smith uh, of Spotrack and how uh, De'Aaron denied or, or just didn't sign the uh, offer that the Kings gave him. So eventually, yeah, eventually um, with the cap raises every year and all that, you know, he could potentially make 70 plus million a year uh, down the line, which is by then it's, it's going to look like 50 million. It's going to look like 50 million looks now right with how the cap increases all the time. Uh, I think it's really interesting and he deserves it. You know what I mean? If he continues to improve and we win and we go on a deep playoff run or even win the chip, it'll be more than worth it. He's the best player think, the Kings have ever had. I don't even think that De'Aaron's thinking about leaving the city. I just, his, him and his family have settled here. This place is practically home to him. And I believe now that he has the team and the tools to make a deep playoff run. He has the coach, the coach that he's basically always wanted because their mindsets are so similar. He's got his best friend, Malik Monk, on the team. He's got an all-star, all-NBA teammate in DeMontis Sabonis with young shooters and defensive players around him. I believe that this team honestly does have all the tools. And... Much like I said, uh, Malik Monk is, I believe Malik Monk is going to return and they're going to pay the man. I would settle for him getting around $80 million, um, because I believe that that is completely fair when it comes to Malik Monk. Um, but I don't believe that De'Aaron's going to ever leave this city unless something really terrible happens and we go on another 16-year playoff drought, which, please God, no, Sacramento Kings, we have suffered enough please just give just give the man the money and i know there's some cap experts in here that are all about getting value from your players and whatnot but i truly believe if you want to have win a championship and you have a caliber of player like De'Aaron fox eventually if you want to keep your core you're going to have to go over the cap period every championship team in order to keep their core they're over and they're in the luxury tax. It is what it is. So yeah, if we're going to keep monk uh, down the line, three or four years, I'm not going to look where's Ben when you need him. Um, we're going to have to pay Keegan. We're going to have to get, pay that star that whoever we get that wing that we always needed, um, whether it's Siakam, which scares me because he's only shooting 30% from three right now uh, or OG. Um, which is very unlikely. We're going to have to pay them. And and you want to make the most out of your star's tenure here and surround them with the pieces that they need to get the job done. So, yeah, we got his best friend. We got to keep Monk here. Um, 
Keegan is developing, like third year Keegan, I'm scared of what he's going to become. He's going to be a menace on both sides. And Domas is continuing to improve and, and doing Dirk fadeaways now. It's ridiculous. We have to keep all of them. So, and I have no problem with it at all. Is there really a six man in the NBA better than Malik Monk right now? I, I really like, and just my bias aside, like, I, like, even if I was a fan of another team or didn't have a team, like, there's not another six man in the NBA that's on his level right now. Like, he's a legit, like Fox said, he's like a six starter, like, if that's even possible. Like, <clears throat> just everything that he does for us is like starter quality. And, you know, just so fortunate to have a guy that's a part of the second unit that can, like, really in a sense, put the team on his back at times and, and take us home. So, you know, just uh, again, I know we all probably, you know, feel that way, but just like, like take bias out of it, of uh, being a Kings fan. Like, is there really a six man better than him right now? All right. I'm so I'm interested to, yeah, I'm interested to hear what, it, you know, whoever, you know, wants to, you know, chime in on that. Like, I'm glad uh, you asked that. I'm looking at this website, uh, sports betting time. And uh, here are the six man of the year odds. Or I'll just tell you who they have. Tim Hardaway Jr., who's probably flourishing because Luke is there. Um, I think the biggest threat, and I know everyone's going to hate this, but it makes sense, is Austin Reeves. Um, IQ on the Knicks, who is a stud, um, but I don't think he does what Malik Monk does. Cole Anthony on the Magic, I guess. Uh, but then Malik Monk. So there you have it. The top five or six man of the year odds. I think it's just ridiculous. Like, okay, we talk about Fox getting just getting disrespected by the media. I feel like the media just straight Can up. Can I jump in here? Watch Kings games. No, I, we, we talk about Fox getting disrespected by the media. I think that these, the, 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 the media just does not watch Kings games. Last year, like, okay. We understood it. They were coming off of the uh, 16-year playoff drought. We understand it. You know, not getting any media attention. After the noise we made last year, you would expect there to be at least some semblance of uh, of media attention in Sacramento. And it still feels like there's not even close to enough. It feels like the same as last year, minus the uh, 22 or whatever it was. Uh, national tv games we got and even on those national tv games we hear guys like richard jefferson and doc rivers just trashing the kings the whole game and saying they're simply okay even when we win it doesn't make any sense to me uh good night y'all and uh go kings on tuesday back to back all right take care you know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.